It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. All right, everyone, welcome, welcome back. It's good to have you here. Hey, it's daylight savings time, and it messes all of us up every year. It's an annual event. We need to stop this. I, I don't even know why we have it anymore. So here in the great state of Arizona and the great state of Hawaii, I believe, are the only two states in America uh, that do not observe daylight savings time or daylight changing time or whatever. Anyway, just... Just uh, You probably already know that it is, but I just thought I'd let you know that uh, we have changed times again. Anyway, get ready. The show uh, to, Today on the show, we have Norm Blumenthal. Norm Blumenthal is an attorney for workers and consumers, selected as one of the top attorneys in Southern California. In 2017, Norm was also inducted and recognized as one of America's most trusted lawyers in employment law. Norm Blumenthal is a regular here, and he protects working-class people like you and I. Um, I'm always excited to have him on the show. Norm, welcome back. Nice to be back, Bert. Um, the show today is I want to talk about the power of politics, and I liked your introduction when you talked about getting rid of daylight savings time because a lot of us out here in California, we'd like to get rid of standard time. So... The question is now is becomes for just as a simple example the power of politics who's in power the power of politics will determine whether or not we get rid of standard time or daylight savings time or keep it as it is but it's an interesting point just for people to realize how important politics are and and probably for today's show we always say it's the economy stupid and I think it's the uh, political party in power, stupid. So that's what you, you need to look at. And I'm going to give an example here of um, in California. And it was this is an interesting example because in California we have what's called the uh, uh, Private Attorney General Act. Uh, PAGA for short is, is how it's referred to. And it came about in the early... Um, 2000s when California was broke and they had didn't have enough money to enforce their uh, uh, labor laws so so all there was there was nothing really out there because the way the labor laws were structured um, the only people that could enforce it were the uh, the government because it was a violation of a, a criminal law and not a civil law. So they made it a civil law violation and allowed um, eat the uh, Labor Workforce Development Agency out here to enforce it. But um, the catch-22 was the Labor Workforce Development uh, Agency, LWDA, didn't have the money to enforce it. So what they came up with was an interesting solution, and it's a solution that uh, appeals to every conservative out there, I think, um, should appeal to them, is that um, people are violating the law. How do we enforce it? We, but we don't want a bigger government. So how did they enforce it? They enforced it with the Private Attorney General Act, which allowed an employee, they called them an aggrieved employee, 
to file a claim with the Labor Workforce Development Agency uh, to, uh, to pro for the state to prosecute the claim. And if the state um, elected to see it prosecuted but didn't want to do it itself, it would allow the uh, private attorney uh, general um, as a deputized uh, uh, enforcement agent to prosecute the action for wage and hour violations. And at the time, the companies out here, they, had, they didn't have to worry if they had you come in 15 minutes early to set up and didn't pay you. And they told you, you know, you need to work through um, your rest break. I just can't have you taking 10 minutes off every four hours in the morning and 10 minutes in the afternoon. I, I need that extra 20 minutes. And your lunch break, just eat it uh, at your desk and uh, work. you can work through lunch. But, you know, bathroom breaks are okay, but keep it short. And at the end of the day, uh, I want everybody clocking out at 5 o'clock sharp or 4.30 sharp, whatever the case may be. But uh, I expect you to work an extra half hour. And um, so these were the things that were happening on a regular basis because there was no, there was no worry about anybody enforcing the law. So that, that's where California was stuck. And there was no money to spend for the government to enforce the law. So it was kind of a catch-22. And right. what ended up happening was the, the companies that, that did the most egregious uh, violations, they were the ones that were most profitable. So in order to compete with these uh, violators, other companies violated because you had to cheat to compete. That's basically right. what ended up ha happening. So it was... Uh, a, a vicious spiral going down and down and, and more people um, violating the law and no money to enforce it. So what did California come up with? It was very unique. Uh, you know, we're not going to spend any more money uh, on enforcement. Okay, well, that's really not a good idea because somebody's <laughs> got to enforce the law, you know. It's like taking the police off the street and expecting everybody to uh, you know, comply with all the laws, you know, it's not going to quite happen that way. So, all right, and, but what we'll do is we'll deputize these aggrieved employees, and we'll let them prosecute it. And, oh, by the way, not only are we not going to pay for the prosecution, the state wants 75% of whatever the aggrieved employee recovers after payment of his attorney's fees. So that started in the early 2000s um, and it, it it has become a very lucrative uh, proposition for the state because instead of having to pay hire and pay for uh, attorneys to prosecute these claims the aggrieved employee uh, takes the risk with the attorneys on uh, prosecuting these claims and in uh, this past uh, year the state collected a hundred million dollars clear from the prosecution. So instead of being a hundred plus million dollars a year um, bureaucracy, it turned out to be a um, hundred million dollars plus a year revenue source for the state. Uh, so it, it, it was a win-win situation except for everybody that violated the law. And um, so what did the violators do? They go, you know, we got to get rid of this uh, Paga. Hey, this is unfair. They're catching us. 
<laughs> right. This is this isn't right. We got to get rid of the PAGA. Well, the Democrats uh, uh, who support labor, uh, you know, were not enthusiastic about this, nor were any of the uh, uh, appointees in the in the U.S. Supreme Court enthusiastic about it. So what ended up happening was the the argument went. Um, and I'll try to stay away from the legalese as much as I can just to give everybody the big picture. But the argument, and I'll give it to you in a minute, went to the first to the California Supreme Court. And uh, that was heard in uh, 2014 in a, in a case that's called the Scanian for uh, lack of, you know, just as for reference point. And they said, well, we're sorry, you know, we're really sorry that you're violating the law. Um, and the argument was from in the Iskanian case, well, you can't bring this case anywhere. You can't bring it in court, state of California, uh, through the aggrieved employee, and you can't bring it in, arbitra- in arbitration because in the contract, there was a contract waiver. It's called a contract waiver of the ability to bring this cause of action to protect the public in any forum. Okay? Are you with me so far? I'm with so, you. So what ends up, ended up, the argument is, is that, hey, state of California, uh, one, you uh, can't bring uh, this in, uh, in federal court because your, uh, the aggrieved employee has signed a... Um, I can't bring it in state court because the grieved employee has signed an arbitration agreement. Can't bring it in federal court either. Can't bring it in any court, and you can't bring it in front of um, even the labor commissioner. You can't bring it anywhere except in arbitration because the aggrieved employee has signed an arbitration agreement. And in there, they say there's a provision that says, uh, and in bringing your uh, arbitration case. You can't bring a class action or a, a representative action, and the class action waiver has already been upheld. That's that you can't bring any anywhere because that's a procedural matter. But you can't even bring the PAGA action, and so you can't bring it in any court. So on the one hand, you could bring your individual claim because that's not waived for your personal claims, but you can't protect the public. In, in rep because it's a quote representative action end quote, so you, you waived your right to bring the state, which wasn't a party to the to the contract, somehow um, as a non-party to the contract because the aggrieved employee um, filed an action a claim to be re- a representative of the state, that somehow they can't bring that claim in any form, okay. So what ends up happening is, is the argument goes that the state of California has waived their right through a contract provision that they weren't a party to to bring a PAGA action in any form. So basically what they're doing is taking away from the state of California a statutory uh, action intended to protect the public um, and thereby allowing the wrongdoers to continue to perform and not have to worry about 
anybody stopping them. So that came before the uh, California Supreme Court in 2014 in Iskanian. And the California Supreme Court, uh, which is Democrat-leaning court, they held that, um, no, that that doesn't work. (laughs) You can't can't deny the state of California the right to bring an action in any form. Uh, This is not an individual action. It's not an injunctive relief action. It's simply an action by the state to enforce the civil penalties that the state has for violators. So it's fairly simple and straightforward. And the contract waiver signed by the aggrieved employee uh, with the company, that does not extend to the state because this is a statutory claim, a state claim. It's not owned by the aggrieved employees. It's owned by the state, and you can't waive it. So they had that, and at that point in time, the um, U.S. Supreme Court had a – I would say in 2014, it was kind of more of a, it wasn't liberal, it wasn't conservative, it was kind of in the middle, and uh, they didn't take the case in a, in a writ petition. And they said, you know, we're, we're not going to deal with California and, um, and how they're doing it, we'll just let them do what they do and, and go along. Then in 2015, uh, our firm... Um, had a similar situation in the federal court in a case called uh, Sakab versus Luxottica. I think I've talked to you about this case before. And the same issue came up before the Ninth Circuit. And the Ninth Circuit said, well, we're going to follow Iskanian. That's a good statement of the law. And that uh, you can bring your um, statutory claim uh, is not your ability to bring that claim is not impeded by the arbitration uh, uh, provision, the uh, Federal Arbitration Act. And the argument is that um, the the contract cannot trump the ability of the state to bring its action. So that was in 2015. So away we went, and over the last uh, seven, eight years, um, this was the law, or is the law. Well, obviously, as I said at the beginning, um, it's the political power uh, party in power, stupid. The complexion of the United States Supreme Court, as we all know, has drastically changed in the last couple of years. And we have a Republican 6-3 majority in the court, which is pro-corporation, pro-business, uh, and that court now has agreed to take a case uh, called um, uh, Viking River Cruises versus uh, Moriana. And that's going to be argued on um, March 30th. And they make these same old, tired arguments. But the problem is, is that we, you know, we have a different audience. And uh, there the really is a danger here that this um, uh, PAGA, enacted in 2003, um, is, is a, a law that uh, is in jeopardy. And so it'll be a position where uh, California, like the rest of the country, uh, the corporations basically have uh, free reign to work employees over the, uh, the time limit, through rest periods, through breaks, and it's a situation where um, 
actually there's been states now, uh, Colorado, I believe, is one, and a couple other states have instituted their own PAGA um, acts because they realize that this is a situation where, one, you can protect the worker, and two, you, you're not in a position where you um, um, you make, you'd have to spend anything because you make money off of it. And so it's a very interesting situation how that works. So other states were taking it, and um, so apparently the uh, political winds as they shifted, the uh, U.S. Supreme Court is uh, going to take this um, this uh, this case. So that's where we stand right now, and um, it's it's a it's a problem. Okay. Okay. So, so this Viking cruise case, um, what, what is, uh, and, and maybe I just missed it. So the Viking cruise case is trying to establish what that that PAGA is no good, or that this arbitration stuff should be done away with. Clarify that for me. Okay. Yeah, and that's uh, that's it's it's complicated. So that, that's a, that's a good question. What Viking River wants to do is create a situation where you know when you go to work now, and you get your uh, policy manual, and you, you sign away your rights, and you waive your, and you sign away a, uh, you, you uh, waive your right to go to court or the labor commissioner, and you agree that any dispute between you and the company will go to arbitration. Okay, that's step one. And also in there, buried is you'll not, you won't bring a claim as a class action or a representative action or a PAGA action uh, in arbitration. Okay? So now you have the, um, uh, an arbitration agreement that says you can't bring a PAGA claim in arbitration, and... You can't bring uh, a PAGA claim in court. So what they're doing through con contractual fiat, because the state has not agreed to this, but through a contract, they're asking the courts to have a, uh, a waiver of the, uh, of the California's anti-waiver rules, which have been around for 150 years, that you cannot waive a public right in a uh, contract. For example, um, probably the clearest example is a public right, for example, overtime. If a contract would say, an employment contract would say, oh, I want you to work 16 hours a day and we're not paying overtime, okay? Um, so, okay, well, you, you could be required potentially to, to work the time, but you'd have to be overtime and double time. Right. Um, and that, that's a statutory right. So everybody agrees that that statutory right cannot be taken away by judicial fiat. It cannot be taken away by a, a contract where you, you say, you know, you, you need the job. And you say, okay, I'll work 16 hours a day and I won't take overtime. I need, I got to work. So you sign a contract that says you waive overtime, and you go to work. And then some attorney looks at this and says, yeah, you, you, it's, this company can't do this. Well, uh, and you want to go to court 
to protect your interest. Well, that's a statutory right. It's unwaivable, the right to overtime. You just can't waive it. And so if you went to court, the court would look at the contract and say that we're not enforcing this contract. This is a statutory right. And so if we enforce this contract, you wouldn't be able to bring your claim for overtime in any forum. And that's exactly what's happening here is they're telling the state of California, not just an individual, that isn't a party to the contract. That as a result of the words of this contract, the state of California cannot bring a PAGA action in any forum. And so the claims that, that the state may have for to protect the employee by collecting civil penalties for the employee working overtime would no longer be available to the state, which would, as we talked about at the beginning, create a situation where you can't bring a class action, you can't bring a pocket action, you can only bring an individual action, and who, what attorneys is, go, is going to take the case if it's simply an individual action? The economics aren't there. So it's basically open season again on the employee. And that's what it's all about. And it, it seems pretty simple that uh, this wouldn't hold up. They've had arbitration provisions where their representative actions, where unions are involved. They represent hundreds, thousands of employees in, in arbitration against the employer, and it's been held a number of times. Well, that's fine. You can do that. But under this theory, even the union couldn't bring such an action, a representative action. But they, right. they aren't holding that way. So unions can still do it, but the state of California can't because it's, it's costing employers too much money to comply with the law basically it does that make sense yep no that makes total sense I had to adjust my mic so yeah that makes total sense and, and so if if this biking case um, basically comes out and says hey yeah this statutory right cannot be waived then what does that do for the people of California Okay, if if they say it can't be waived, then the state of California can continue to uh, enforce POG, uh, Private Attorney General Act and protect the employees from uh, abuses by employers uh, on their rights. If it if the if the court comes down and says, well, you know something, uh, it, this is what the contract says, so we're just going to enforce it and. You can't bring a, a PAGA action in arbitration. And we've already said you can't bring a PAGA action in, in court uh, because um, you know that that's gone. So there's no you don't have a PAGA action at all. That's basically right. what they're they're saying. Right. So that that's where you know you're looking at a six-three group. That's where this could the indications are because the politics. Right. You know, it's it's all in the politics of of the courts. You know, courts are no longer a, uh, a, a tribunal where politics don't count. And the, the you know the old saying goes, and 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 this is it holds true here. You know, it, it works here. Is you know, good attorneys know the law, great attorneys know the judge. 
And so these attorneys that are bringing this case, they know the, the judges that they are in front of. Right. They know their political persuasion. And these judges have no problem with denying workers their rights, none whatsoever. And they really, unfortunately, thus far, they, every indication is they're not, they don't care about the law. And so we'll, we'll see what happens. But, you know, this is the state of California. The, the trump card is supposed to be in the, in, the, in the FAA, the Federal Arbitration Act, that if a law is, is neutral as to arbitration, that means it doesn't favor the court, it doesn't favor the arbit, arbitration panel, um, that should be enforced by the um, courts. Uh, and this is a neutral law. There, there's no provision in this law that says you can't bring a PAGA action in arbitration. So it, it, that's the interesting point. So there's, there's nothing here that precludes one in arbitration, and it's something that, that can happen. But the, basically we're in a position where uh, the, um, the, really the case is not about whether a party may be required to arbitrate a PAGA claim, but whether the par, PAGA claims are subject to contractual forfeiture. Right. And that's that's the what's so upsetting about this is they want to deny the right of the employee to bring this case uh, in any form, and that's not what the Federal Arbitration Act says. Uh, it, it's just it doesn't say that, and they're just going to have to make it up because uh, you know it's, it's going as far back as is. In 1925, there was an understanding with arbitration that bilateral, I mean, it's one party against the other, takes into account unions as a group. Um, and so it's, it's one of these situations where um, even that argument, okay, oh, we can only have one, one, one person on each side. The state is only one person, just like a, a union is only one person. Um, and so this is where we stand on this. It's going to be um, an interesting argument that's going to be made on uh, March 30th. But, you know, it goes back, Bert, to where, what we said at the beginning is politics matter. And uh, politics and votes matter. And uh, everything that's happening today in, in our society um, is, is happening because... We have a Supreme Court that is in, in favor of management. Um, there's social issues that uh, people can be happy about with their uh, rights of women to choose, you know, their, and gun control bills and, and situations like this. But when it comes to people making a living, it would be a sad day if um, the Iskanian rule is uh, overturned. And you can't bring a, a PAGA action in any court because other states are just in the process of uh, picking up on PAGA for purposes of protecting their employees in the states. Because, it's, quite frankly, states just don't have the wherewithal or the money um, to protect employees from employers that cheat to compete. And right. so you end up with this slippery slope 
where the the guy is, is cheating and no one cares. And so how are you going to be uh, compete with the cheater? Are you going to cheat yourself? And do we end up in, in, in states when that's what we had back in, in 2000 where people just weren't complying with the law because there was no enforcement. There was, there was nobody out there. And now, oh, their employers in California are so upset because they have to comply with the law. What, what's yeah. so unusual about that? And so we got to get rid of the uh, PAGA because PAGA is the, is the problem that's causing compliance. And, you know, we, we don't want to worry. We're not worried about the honest employee. Uh, you know, we're worried about the one that cheats. Well, why should, why should anybody be worried about the guy that cheats to his employees? What's the benefit of that except to make it worse for the, the employees? And so that's the situation we're in. We'll see where it goes, but I, I hope I'm wrong. You know, I hope that uh, politics don't, does, do not matter as much as the law matters because from a legal standpoint, you look at the law and they don't have a, a legal leg to stand on, in my opinion, the, the company. Right. And uh, it's just basically the state against the company. And, and I, I feel very comfortable that if this were decided on the law, we'd win, just as we as the employees have prevailed since uh, 2014 in, in every case. And the Supreme Court has never taken it uh, for the last seven, eight years. So why why would they take it now except for a change in the political temperature of the court? Absolutely, absolutely. You know what, and, and, and you mentioned, uh, I think you mentioned, you know, the, the fact that not only do we have these courts that are politically aligned, but but uh, we also have lobbyists that will influence judges, will influence the way things are done. Uh, you will have yeah, the, these billion-dollar corporations who will spend hundreds of millions of dollars to influence the law. Yeah, and it, it's bigger than that because they they have groomed these judges. These judges through the Federalist Society and other organizations, you know, and and lobby groups that that contribute to these organizations, they they follow these judicial appointments all the way through, and they know the people they want on all the courts, Supreme Court. Right. U.S. Supreme Court, federal courts, states courts. So, yeah, they're grooming their their political group that they want in power, and they're very careful to, to do that. There's no question about it that the, the Republicans well, and the Democrats, to the same extent, it's, it comes with the political elite. They're, you know, all of them are Harvard uh, graduates. Um, you know, they've been groomed when they've been in, and they've watched their demeanor through the federal district courts, state state courts, uh, courts of appeal. Um, And so, you know, when the time came for Trump to make his appointments, he had his short list that was given to him by the people that knew uh, what what they would do politically if they were in office. Because these are basically, unfortunately... They're political hacks. I mean, to, to use a word that, unfortunately, I wouldn't want to use, but uh, that's who they are because they, do, they don't see each case based on the merits of the case and, and be a, a neutral 
uh, arbitrator of the uh, of the case. They're not. It's just not a neutral situation. As is arbitration itself is not neutral. You know, it's ninety nine percent of arbitration cases are just uh, labor cases are decided in favor of the employer because right. it's all all decisions are being made by you know old old white haired white men. You know, so that, the good old that's boys what you had. Yeah, member of the yeah. group. You know, and they and they've been groomed. I mean, they're they know who to pick, and so that that's problem we face just in being in arbitration. I won't go into that of how arbitration. If you know, if you have a uh, retired judge, you have a much better chance in arbitration because a judge that's what he did for a living. Right. So. And a lot, and a lot of them don't have it at the lower levels. You know, the, they're, they were former district attorneys. They're really not political animals like the rest of them. And so you kind of get a fair shake in uh, in the arbitrators that are, are former judges. But the ones that are corporate attorneys, you're just not going to get that uh, fair shake that you would expect. That's just another problem. But the bigger problem is what we face on uh, March 30th, and we'll see what where the court goes. Well, great. Then we'll have you back in April so we can go over what happens in uh, March 30th. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, let's cross our fingers that they that they uh, rule on the side of law. Yeah. And you'll get an indication from the argument. You know, I want to be pleasantly surprised, but um, I'm not optimistic. (laughs) All right. Uh, right. We're out of time. Always good to have you here, my friend. Looking forward to having you you back in April. Thank you. Good stuff there from Norm Blumenthal. Hey, if you have questions, if you agree, disagree, you can check out Norm, or you can reach out to Norm with BAMLawCA.com. That's BAMLawCA.com. Give me your thoughts. Is Norm, uh, what do you call it, uh, fighting at windmills? Is that that what it is? Dashing at windmills? Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, As always, my friends, let's share this episode. Let's get as many people involved as possible whether it's good, bad, or ugly, let's get everyone talking and informed. Remember, you were created. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch. And check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.